to title my sermon as it's in your hands can you say that with me it's in your hands there are three different areas that we are going to talk about this is a little bit what I shared during our travel last week also it's a kind of summary because I don't want any of you to miss the, this 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 blessed you know teachings there are three different areas we are going to cover we are going to talk about it. it's in your hands to build a better tomorrow it's in your hands to release the blessings and it's in your hands to release power and authority can you say that with me one by one it is in your hands to build a better tomorrow it's in your hands to release the blessings it is in your hands to release power and authority can you all just open your open the palm of your hands <clears throat> Can you have a look at it now? Don't read, please. Just have a look at your palm. And can you say that with me? It is in your hands. Can you say that with me? It is in my hands. Once again, it is in my hands. Thank you. This morning, I pray that God, you would speak to us. Number one, it is in your hands to build a better tomorrow. It is in all of our hands to build a better tomorrow. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 1 says, The wise woman builds her house, but the foolish pulls it down with her own hands. We, God has given us hands, when with the same hands, one can build, but the other could destroy. God has given us the same hands, and with these hands, we can build our lives, or we can destroy the life that God has given us. God has called us to build, I'm sure. God has not called us to destroy. Today, we see many young people, any boys and girls out there, destroying their lives. Destroying their lives. They don't even care about how they are going to face their next month, next year, or their you know, adulthood. But they just destroy their lives. God has not called us to destroy our lives. In fact, God has called us to build, not to destroy. So what are we called to build? Number one, we are called to build relationships. Those who are taking notes, just go ahead and take notes. It's a good sermon for taking notes. Number one, we are called to build relationships. People are very important in our lives. In fact, people as the people are the most valuable asset. People are very, very important. We cannot neglect anybody. People are very, very precious. In his book, Developing the Leader Within You, John C. Maxwell says, people are the most appreciable asset. Most of the assets that we see today, they depreciate. But people are the most appreciable asset. Anything that you invest in their lives, it's not going, the value is not going to come down. It's going to, in fact, it's going to increase. God wants us to build relationship. It is very easy to break relationship today. Just by one word, relationships are broken. 
We don't want to see each other. We don't want to talk to each other. But God is not at all in that business of breaking relationships. God is in the business of making relationships. God wants us to build relationship. You know, the future of our family depends on the relationship that we have with our family members. If we don't maintain right relationship with our family members, the future is not going to be good. The future of the church depends on the relationship the congregation has among them and with the leaders. If the church is not maintaining a proper relationship, the church is going to break. A business is going to thrive when the business is having a good relationship with all its customers. So everywhere, anywhere we go, we see relationship is very, very important. Relationship or people are the most valuable asset in our lives. You know, why do we say that? Because God has placed such a great value on us. God has honored us. God has created us in his own image. Genesis chapter 1 verse 25. Can you read with me? Then God said, let us make man in our own image according to our likeness. Each one, everyone is made in the image of God. Can you look at your neighbor and say image of God? So when we look at other, we see God in them. That doesn't mean that man is God, right? That doesn't mean that man is God. If you think about God, God says God has created us in his own image. God has hands? Yes? Are you sure? Okay, right. <laughs> so God has created us in his own image. That precious we are. You know, sometimes we devalue ourselves. Sometimes we devalue others. And God wants us to know that you are so precious because you are just made in the image of God. When God has placed such a high value, how can we neglect anybody? How can we devalue anyone? And he has set a high value on us. Matthew chapter 10 verse 31, Jesus said, Do not fear, therefore, read with me, you are more value than many sparrows. We are high of higher value. We are of higher value than many of other creations that God created. And God wants us to know that each one of us is so valuable in the sight of God. So number one, as we build our tomorrow with our hands, we need to make sure we build relationship. Make sure we are in right relationship with everybody. You don't need to keep anyone away from talking to them. Make sure you talk to everybody. Make sure you smile at everybody. Amen? Just if somebody is you know, not coming to our church, they were used to come to our church, now you go and meet them in Costco, in the, in the parking lot, you don't need to turn this side and go. Just meet them and go and bless them. Amen? And ask them how they are doing, how is their life, and how is their church, how is their ministry, how is everything going on? Amen? So that will bless you. That, that's how God expects us to build our relationship and it's very important that we make sure. We, make, we do it intentionally, otherwise we don't do it. We need to make sure it's a point to talk to anybody. Any of you here in this church, you don't talk to anybody in this world? I mean, we don't talk to anybody, many people, we don't know them, right? But any of you, they are your relation, they are relatives, or they, have been, they were friends, but now they are not. Have you ever stopped talking to them? Maybe you have to just start doing it. God doesn't like that. Do not neglect and if that doesn't mean that we go behind everybody and try to approach and try to talk. But generally you have a genuine love and care for people. That's what building relationships simply. Number two, we need to build discipline. In order to have a better future, 
What is important is we need to build a discipline. Discipline is the key for tomorrow's success. Listen to me. You know, today's Christianity is very motivational Christianity. Very inspirational, very charismatic. You know, that's where you see most of the crowd. If a church speaker is a motivational speaker, you see multitudes getting there. Motivation is good once in a while, not always. Motivation is really good. We need motivation at times. Sometimes, you know, we are so inspirational, charismatic in nature, and we see people are gathering there because they want to listen positive things and they want to see God miracles. They want to see the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. They want to see miracles, healing taking place, and we see people rushing there. But all these are not going to do anything good in our lives until, unless we discipline ourselves. The law of consistency, there is something known as the law of consistency that says motivation gets you going, but discipline keeps you growing. Keeps you growing. You know, motivation gets us going to this meeting, that meeting, this conference, that conference, that anointing meeting, this anointing meeting. But it's not going to result in any growth. You know, most of the time when I used to go, I used to run for those meetings, you know, many, many anointed ministers of God, I have seen that happening in me. You know what happens? When we go there, we are in that flow. We feel that our feet are not touching the ground. We feel that kind of experience and that kind of anointing and emotion and all those kind of things. But we come back, settle down for the regular stuff in our lives. In two, three days, it's all gone. It's all gone. So we need to discipline ourselves, and we, God wants us to build discipline in ourselves. You know, this is very, very important for Christians, and this is very, very important for Pentecostal Christians. Amen? Most of the time, we take things for granted, and we don't try to discipline ourselves. Bible says, Proverbs 29, 17, can you read with me? Discipline your children, and they will give you peace they will bring you the delights you desire discipline your children parents discipline your children that doesn't mean that you need to put them in the cage and lock them inside and feed them there no it doesn't mean that but discipline how do you discipline proverb 22:15 i didn't put the verse there because I don't want to get into trouble. Proverbs 22, 15 says, Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it far from him. What is there in their heart? Foolishness. And what will drive it away? The rod of correction. Keep a rod in your house. All of you. My dad did that, but he never had to use that. He had to just keep one there. All that he had to do is just show the direction, and I'll be okay. Do it now. Go home and find. How many of you have, by the way, a rod of correction in your house? One, two, good, good parents. Spoon of correction, whatever. Don't use sandals. Have something. And you have your own, because you are children, right? So you have your own way of correcting them, disciplining them, disciplining, disciplining them. I remember one day when I was, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know whether I remember. Now I, I don't remember whether I remember. So. But I, I think mom told. 
So that hit me only once in a lifetime. Because I turned a, a, a paper from a book. That was a mistake I did ever in my childhood, and I got it. Apart from that, I, I never, three of us, I, we never remember any, any other thing that we did. Because always there is a lot of correction. There is always, it's always kept there. Keeping a rod itself is enough for your child to get corrected. Sometimes you, know, you use words in authority to your child that itself is enough. Just don't play with children. Discipline them. Don't give the gadgets to your children just to, you know, occupy them. They do not know the value. The moment you give this gadget to your child's hand, they do not know the value of it. You just lost them there, right there. Discipline, that requires a lot of discipline in parents, which sometimes we are not willing, and we lose our children. Spirit of God, who is given to us, is the God who disciplines us. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. So we are talking about building discipline in our lives so that we can build a better tomorrow. Shall we read 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, reading from NIV? For the Spirit of God gave us, does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So if we don't have self-discipline, the one that is given to us is not a Spirit of God. Because if that is the Spirit of God, that brings discipline in our lives. And you and I need to practice the discipline in our lives so that our future will be good. Your children's future will be good. You know, today we see many people. You know, the moment I, I find a child behaving, I know, I know for sure about the parents, how they bring up the children. Sometimes I tell, sometimes I don't tell. Right? So, so make sure you bring up your child. And where you need to bring all the discipline in? Not at the church, not at the community, but at home. Sit with them, talk to them, spend time with them, and teach them and correct them, and that will be blessing their life in the future. Number three, we need to make sure that we, need, we build hope in order to build a better future. Can you say hope? When hope is lost, everything is lost. You know, today we are living in our lives at times when we don't see hope. We feel that everything is lost. When hope is lost, everything comes to a standstill. You see people today living at the edge of the, their life, thinking that there is nothing that's going to happen because they lost their hope already. They lost their hope already. Many young children, when they, when they commit suicide, or when they approach, try to commit, attempt suicide, when you ask them, the, the answer they give is, you know, I lost my hope. I don't have any hope that things are going to become better. I don't any, have any hope that, I, that the days that are ahead of me is going to become better. When hope is lost, everything is lost. First Thessalonians 5.11, Paul says, can you read with me? Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. You know, God wants us to encourage one another. God wants us to support one another because you make sure that they don't lose hope. Somebody who is going through a difficult situation in terms of their family situation, in terms of their job situation, financial situation, and you are, what is your responsibility? To make sure you encourage, you support, don't be selfish. You make sure, step out. And you know, you remember the hurricane time, we all stepped, some of you stepped out to help one another, support one another. That's what God expects. That's what God expects in us to support and encourage one another. So it is in our hands to build a better tomorrow. 
a young student in China, he decided to trick his old professor, a teacher. So he wanted to just play with him, make fun of him, and then, you know, this is what he did. He caught a bird, a little bird. And he kept that bird in his hand inside, and he kept it back, and this is what he thought, this is what he said within himself. He said, I would ask that old man, what is in my hand? And if he answers it, mostly he'll answer it because the bird inside the hand is not just going to keep quiet, right? So he's going to find it out and he will say bird. And then I'm going to ask him, is the bird alive or dead? If he says the bird is alive, I'm going to crush and kill the bird. And show him, see, old man, the bird is dead. But if he says that the bird is dead, bird is dead already, he's going to release the bird and the bird is going to fly. So he decided in his heart that's what he is going to do. And to make fun of him, he approached the old uh, sage and he said, old man, what do you think I hold in my hand? And he answered, it's a bird. It's a bird that you are holding in your hand, my son. And then he asked, is he dead or alive, old man? And the teacher, he really thought for some time. And this is what he replied. He said, the answer to this question, my son, is in your hands it's in your hands you can either kill it or you can release it you know god has given everything in our lives and today it is in your hands really what you think that it's not possible what you think that it cannot be done in your life it's just in your hands all that you need to know i need to know is how do we move forward how do we make sure that our tomorrow is better number two it is in your hands to release the blessings are you getting something this morning can i hear an amen it is in our hands to release the blessings blessing is not just having wealth blessing is not just having a good job blessing is not just having a good house blessing is not at all having anything that good wealth or good health that's not a blessing of course they are all blessings but there are more blessings blessing is nothing but having love joy peace in your life there are many who can have many different things but then you know they miss these basic things love joy peace if you do not have these things in your life we don't really live a good life blessing is living in contentment blessing is living a life that what god meant us to live blessing is living to bless others blessing is having god's favor on our lives Blessing has to do something with the purpose of God. And if you are fulfilling the purpose of God in your life, that's what is blessing. The rest of the things will go away. This morning as I speak, I want you to ask a question to you. Am I blessed? Am I blessed? Or I think that I'm blessed because I'm able to do this, I'm able to do that. Or I'm blessed just because I'm able to do the will of God in my life. There is no greater blessing than doing the will of God and fulfilling the call of God in your life and my life. Today, God says your blessing is in your hands. How does blessing flow in our lives? How does blessing flow? Blessing flows like water. Not like a water staying in the reservoir, but blessing flows like a water that flows in the river. Can you say river? There's a huge difference between water that is staying in the reservoir and the water that is flowing and how the water flows it water flows straight 
When the dam is open, the water flows straight. But then after some time, it is going to spread everywhere. A river that flows straight, straight and then it spreads everywhere. That's how blessing flows. Blessing that flows straight is nothing but generational blessings. Can you say generational blessings? You know, this morning there's a good teaching here. Blessing that flows through, flows straight from your life into your offsprings, into your generation. They are known as generational blessings. Shall we read a scripture, Psalm 112, verse 1, reading from NIV? Praise the Lord. Can you read it with me? Praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commandments. Verse 2. Their children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. It's a promise of God that God will bless your offspring. You know, today morning, Kalpana was testifying here about what just happened or what was about to come on her child. But God's promises, where is the scripture? God's promises says, uh, God's promise says the children will be, read that again, children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. That's a promise of God. Enemy has no room there. He has not even a full stop. Period or not even a space there. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Some of you are blessed today because your father, your parents did a great work for God. Or your grandparents did something for God. And today you don't know why that blessing, from where that blessing is coming in your life. And you experience all the blessings. Blessing, the generation of the upright shall be blessed. So we're talking about blessing flowing straight into the generation. Amen? And that's, a God's, that's God's promise, that that's how God blesses. But it doesn't stop there. River doesn't stop there. When the river goes, it's going to spread everywhere. So blessing is like water. It's going to, blow. It's going to spread everywhere. And God is saying, it is in our hands to release the blessings. Blessings that flow horizontally. It spreads everywhere. It affects everywhere. It affects your neighbor. It affects the stranger. It affects somebody who is not following God. Somebody who is, you know, still living in sin. Because of you, they are blessed. They are blessed. Like last week, a couple of you went to pick up a family. They don't, they don't come to church. They are not even Christians. And they were so blessed. And I talked to them. They said that they were so blessed that somebody coming to the airport and receiving them. That's how blessing flows. Someone who is a stranger to you calls you, gives you a call, walks into your house, you help them, you take care of them. It's not that blessing of, they deserve that blessing because it is a blessing that flows from you to them, their lives. I want to turn your attention to Joseph. Genesis chapter 39, we read about Joseph. Joseph was in the house of Potiphar. Shall we read the scripture? From the time he put him in charge of the household of Potiphar, all of, the, all, of he, he, all of that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. Where, from where that blessing came? That blessing came because of Joseph. And today you and I are the Josephs. Anybody's last name is Joseph here? Anne's last name is Joseph. Blessed. And we are all Josephs in Christ. Because of us, because of you, 
someone else is blessed. You know, that's how blessing flows through in somebody's life. And this morning, God is telling us to release those blessings. And he's saying that just do not hold those blessings in your life. Sometimes we do this. So many times we think that the blessings are for me and for my children. You know, we stack them one over the other, one over the other, blessing after blessing, and we don't want to give it to anybody. We don't want anybody to touch. We don't even lend. We don't even care. We don't even provide. We don't even offer. We don't even support. We don't even support orphans. We don't want to send missionaries. We don't want to support the ministry because we think that every blessing is for me and for my family. And what Jesus said? He called him, called that person as fool. Oh, foolish. You know, God expects us to release those blessings in our hands. Don't be like a man who received that one talent. He didn't do anything with that. And God wanted to throw him in the hell. Blessings are given in our hands to release. I remember many pastors, you know, pastors living in, living in India and other countries. They say that, you know, they ask us for money. And then when we ask, what do you, what do you need that for? They say that I want to receive and they want to give. There are many pastors, they give, they give, they give. They don't keep anything in their hands. All that they ask is they ask money as if, you know, they are behind money, but they are not. Not everybody, though. Not. They receive. And then we know one pastor, so he always asks us, can you support, can you support? But when we find out he goes to the northern part of India and he goes to Sri Lanka to build churches and to provide community and, you know, support and all those supports they provide that's how God expects us to be. God wants us to be a reservoir, not a reservoir, not a reservoir, a river, so that blessing flows through our lives to others. God wants us to release blessings so that we will be blessed. So the blessing is in our hands. It's in our hands to release or to hold. We don't want to hold it. There are many examples, scriptural examples. Let's move further. Finally, it is in our hands to release power and authority. Can you say power and authority? It is in our hands to release power and authority. So I'll be done in 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes. Power and authority, they belong to God. Can you say belong to God? Power and authority, they belong to God. But God enables his children to release power and authority. Power and authority, they belong to God. But he needs somebody on the face of this earth. He needs an agent to work on behalf of God to release power and authority. That can be John the Baptist. That can be the disciples of Lord Jesus Christ. And today it can be you and me. Our many ministers of God, many children of God. God wants us to release power and authority. So it is in our hands to release power and authority. And you're asking, God, Pastor, how, how do I know? I don't think there is any power in my hands. Even I don't, I'm even unable to exercise my power at home. You preach hundred times, Lord. Not, not Lord, Pastor, saying that husband is the head of the family, but you're asking me to look at my hands and say, release your power and authority. Where is that power? I don't see any power in my house at all. You said husband is the head. I don't know. I don't even consider it as a tail in my family. If that's what you're saying, I'll pray for you. <clears throat> power and authority is in our hands. God wants us to release. Power is given for us to witness Christ. Can you say witness? Many times we mix it up, so let's not do it. So power is to witness Christ. You know, we are living in the last days. There is 
power of darkness everywhere. It's not easy to go and share the gospel with someone. Listen to me. It's not easy to preach Christ to someone. It's not easy to do anything for God. It's not easy because there's a greater power than you. Not the one who is in you, but there's a greater power than you in the world. And what is that power called? Are you with me? What is that power called? The power of darkness. That power of darkness is greater than you, certainly. But not God, not the one who is in you, but the power of God, power of the darkness is greater than you. And that power is not going to do anything, not allowing you to do anything for God. So to witness Christ, what you need? Can you say power, all of you? Out loud. So what is that power that we are talking about? Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Jesus spoke to his disciples. Can you read with me? You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses, witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And the power that we are talking about is the power of the Holy Spirit. We need that power of God to preach Christ, to witness Christ. We need that power of God to preach his word. We need that power of God to do anything for God, any ministry for God. We need that power of God to oppose the power of darkness. We all need that power. It's not just only for pastors and ministers. We all need that power. Even it may be as simple as that. Maybe sharing a testimony to come here and share a testimony. Come here and share a psalm or a word. Come here to sing a song or, you know, lead children, lead any ministry, anything that you need the power of God. Are you with me? Are you with me? We need the power of God. We are talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, when you step into those things, without that power of God, the power of darkness will come and attack you. Are you with me? It's a teaching. It's a Bible teaching. If you are not prepared, you are not backed up with the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of hell will come and attack you. You know, it's not easy. It's not easy. It's not easy to stand here and preach every Sunday morning and go and take rest. No, 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 it's not. We have our fight. We have our fight in flesh. We have our fight in spirit. Every time we have the fight going on inside of us, and most of you, when you witness Christ, you have that fight. You want to do something for God. You have the fight going on within you. You know, some of you came and told me even, Pastor, when I started doing that, started doing this, I started feeling that, you know, the devil is attacking us. I say, it's true. Yeah, it's true. He will attack you. But we need the power of God. My question is, where is that power of God in your life and my life that we are unable to do anything for God? When I say power of God, I'm talking about the Acts 1-8 and Acts 2 chapter. We are talking about receiving the anointing of the Holy Spirit with an evidence of speaking in tongues. We are talking about the receiving of the anointing of the Holy Spirit with an evidence of speaking in tongues that fulfills the complete, the power that comes upon you, anoint you to serve. Holy Spirit is inside of us already when you moment you receive salvation. Holy Spirit is around us. That's how people who receive are prompted, prompted by the Holy Spirit to accept Christ even before they accept. Once they accept, Holy Spirit comes inside of us. But Acts 1 night, Acts chapter 2, Holy Spirit is coming upon us. 
When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, when it says upon you, it is different. It is the power of God coming upon us to serve in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, in all the parts of the world, all the parts of the earth. Today, if you don't have that power, I don't know what you do. Fast, cry, lie, lay down, roll, wait, whatever you can do. Just do and receive the power of God. You need and I need. Otherwise, we are just walking jokers in front of the devil. The devil knows we can't do anything for God effectively. And God wants you to release power. And before you release power, we need to be filled with that power of the Holy Spirit. When Peter and John were ministering in Samaria, Philip went then and ministered in Samaria, and then he invited the apostles. Peter and John went there. And when they came there, Acts chapter 8, can you read with me? Acts chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. This is what they say. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, and they sent Peter and John to them. And when Peter and John went there, next verse, when Peter and John went there, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 16, for as yet he had fallen as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of Lord Jesus Christ. New believers. Remember, Holy Spirit did not fall upon unbelievers. Holy Spirit fell upon new believers. Holy Spirit has nothing to do with unbelievers other than convicting them to receive Christ. Holy Spirit has nothing. You know, you know the story which follows after this, right? Simon's story. Verse 17, then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. God wants us to receive the power of God. We need the power of God to witness Christ. Simon was the one unsaved, not baptized. He came to buy this power of God with money and he was cursed. You see the difference? God wants us to have that power to witness. So we need the power of God. Finally, it is in our hands to release power and authority. Authority. Power God has given us to witness Christ. And authority God has given us to overcome. Can you say overcome? And take victory. Overcome and take victory. You need to have that and I need to have that. Otherwise, we can't overcome the fights that we have in our lives. This morning, God wants you to know very clearly... God wants you to take victory over sickness. God wants you to take victory over addiction. God wants us to take victory over depression. God wants us to take victory over all the oppression of the enemy. And how can we do it? When we receive the authority. When we have authority. You know, we see many times when you fall into sick, fall sick. I don't know whether you, you have trained your kids that way. But some houses, they have trained the kids that way. Kids will come next to you and then lay hands on you and pray for them. Anybody? Anybody here? No? You don't train kids that way to pray? So I have seen. We have trained. In fact, my son, when he was young, so young, he wanted to pray for us. And he wanted us to stand and then he will pray for us. And then when he prays for us, we are supposed to fall back. Because when he was, I don't know what age, seven, eight, he made all the preconditions set. 
So when he prays for us, we fall back into the anointing. And he enjoys that. It's a joke. But then we need to, we, at times we train our children to pray for us. Why? There's an authority. God wants us to overcome. When you get up from the morning, in the morning from the bed, you don't feel like doing it. Just lay hands on your head and just pray and take authority over what is going on in your life. If, God, if you believe that God has given you that authority, and if you don't believe, just don't do it. It's important, children of God, we need to walk in that authority. Many times we lay hands over one or the other and just pray and just wake them up. Wake her up in Jesus' name. Get up and rise and walk and make tea for me in Jesus' name. And then tea is done. <laughs> now, many times we need to do this. Otherwise, life is not easy. Especially after 50, it's not working at all. We need to do it many times. We need to come on in Jesus' name. Rise and walk. God has given us authority, authority over sickness, depression, oppression, and all the powers of darkness. Can you read with me Mark chapter 16, verses 17 and 18? Then we are going to get into a time of prayer. Mark 16, 17 and 18. And these signs will follow. Those who believe in my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. The power and the authority is in your hands to release. We are so afraid to lay hands at times. Church doesn't allow. Church says only pastor has to lay hands. God wants us to lay hands on the sick and pray. Where are those days? God wants us to get those days back in our lives. Shall we read that again? Once again, Mark chapter 16, verse 18. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. In they will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. Then they will lay hands on the sick and sick will recover. God has given us this authority to move forward as we establish the kingdom of God in our lives. It can happen in your own house. It can happen in the church. It has to happen outside the church. Do not stop inside the church. And I know some of you have some great gift to lay hands and pray and God will heal. Some of you have great prophetic gifts and you have words to speak. But I minimize here inside the church. Just go out and do it. More we do inside, it's going to bring more chaos inside. But there is a need out there. There is somebody who don't know even how to spell Jesus. If you go and tell him this is what is going on in your life, he will come to the love of Christ. And God is giving that authority to us. God wants us to go and speak with them. You know, most of the time, I wait for opportunity. I, when I meet somebody, I wait for opportunity. I can't go and touch them immediately because they're unknown. And I wait for opportunity. I just put my hand in the packet and then I do all these kind of things. And slowly, I'll try to put my hands over them. And then just, you know, when I place my hands over them, even though I don't pray out loud, I pray inside, God, my hands are on them. Do something in their lives. Amen? Do it. God wants us to lay hands and pray because God has given us power and authority in our hands. And God wants us to release. And God has given us the authority in our hands for two purposes quickly. Number one, we must walk in that power and authority. We must walk in that authority. 
First thing that you need to do, I need to do is, we must walk in that authority. And secondly, we need to use the power and authority over other lives. And this morning, are you ready? Are you ready? It's in your hands. It's all in your hands. You can take it up to the level you want to take it and do great things for God. And you can quench everything and not doing anything for God. It's in your hands. It is true for our future. It is true for all the blessings that you want to release and you want to receive and you want to release. It's true for all the power and authority that you want to have and you want to release. It is in your hands. And God has already given that in our hands and God has nothing to do other than us receiving it and releasing it. Shall we all arise this morning as we get into a time of prayer?